it's a perfect breeding ground for fantastic produce. It just melts and oozes out. <laughs> the best bit of Italy outside of Italy. It's the real deal. It's the real deal. Hi there, and welcome to the Loving Welsh Food Podcast with me, Sean Roberts. Today, we're going to be talking organic spirits with John Savage from Davile, Welsh cheese with friend of the podcast, Meris Howell, and finding out about the Furness pizza story. Okay, so I'm here in Cardiff Market. I'm with the Pizza Boys. So first of all, introduce yourselves to me, please. Yeyan, who are you? Hiya, I'm Yeyan, one half of the Pizza Boys. And who are you, Jez? I'm uh, Jez, I'm the other half. First of all, why is it called Furness? So we're both from the Llanelli area. I'm from a little village called Trumsaran, which is just outside Llanelli, and Jez is from the town itself. And then smack bang in the middle, you've got the little village called Furness or Furness, and it ties in perfectly with that wood-fired oven and the whole situation of a furnace. OK, so where did the idea for Furness come from, Jez? Oh, yeah, I love a pizza, as simple as that. And, and good quality Neapolitan pizza. I think um, going to uh, Naples for the first time and the locality, the ingredients there just makes the pizzas so amazing. The dough, the water, the water's quite harsh and just makes this most amazing light dough. And then you've got these really sweet tomatoes, um, super creamy mozzarella, fresh basil, and it all just combines to, to something that... Until you've tasted it, you, you you wouldn't believe it. And it all combines in your mouth in one kind of amazing flavour. So, um, yeah, once once you tried that, it was a case of nobody else was doing it. And it was just a, an instant kind of, I don't know, love. OK, so have you got a background in... I mean, you like, we all like pizza, OK, but we don't all go out and set up a Furness business. So what what was your background before Furness, did you have a catering background? Uh, so, no catering background at all before Furness, apart from summer jobs during university, working in bars. But before Furness, I used to do digital mapping for a mining consultancy. And then before that, I used to work for the NHS in the diabetic IE screening service. So you wouldn't say that was the perfect breeding ground for making pizzas. Definite link between them. <laughs> what about you, Jez? Nah, again, nothing. A uh, bit of um, kitchen porter work, um, but no... No chef in, and I was working in a gym right up until we opened our place at Cardiff Market. Tell me about a few of your pizzas and what's special about them, your best sellers. We, we do the traditional stuff, but I think the, the things that, that do make it special are the, the ones using local ingredients. I think we use um, a take on... Because the one thing Cardiff's got, it's got some amazing Spanish uh, restaurants or Spanish-inspired restaurants... So one of them is a, a classic kind of twist on a, a sobrasada. Usually sobrasada you'd have, you know, spread on your... It's a spreadable chorizo and you'd have it on kind of nice dry toast or a nice crusty bread and they'd finish it with goat's cheese and some honey. And we've done the same. We've kind of gone with it with the mozzarella on the pizza dough with a Welsh, uh, raw Welsh honey. And it's, it's a delicious combo of uh, sweet and spicy and meaty. We use, like, that combination of traditional Italian know-how when it comes to the techniques. But then when it comes to the base ingredients, like the flour, the cheese, and especially the tomatoes, the San Marzano tomatoes, we use Italian for that. But then we like to show off, showcase, like, the fabulous produce we have here in Wales as well. So any, all the meats that we use, the keyword meats, the pepperoni, the sobrasadas, they all come from Monmouthshire, from a place called Trilly Farm. And it is fantastic. You know, they've travelled the world 
you know, sampling all these different styles of charcuterie and then they've come back to their base and then they've tried, they've created their own using, you know, local meats, local pigs, local beef and all of that. So it's, it's like that double-edged sword of locality. They're using local produce and then we're using them on top of that. So it is just trying to showcase what we have because we do have fabulous, you know, we have the fabulous environment, the hills for the pastures and things like that. So it does, it's a perfect breeding ground for fantastic produce. fabulous combination, top quality Italian and Welsh ingredients. But for a lot of producers, using Welsh produce can be really expensive. How do the pizza boys manage? It is more expensive and um, it's one of the things we get asked a lot because on price point our pizzas are probably um, the lowest in Cardiff. The only way we can combat that is if enough people keep eating with us. It's, it's a proper Neapolitan game where you know, the Neapolitan pizza, if you, go to, if you go to Naples and you have a pizza, a marinara will never be over five euros. A margarita seldom over six and a half euros. And the reason is they're doing a thousand pizzas a day. So that, you know, it is, it's the kind of, it's the food of the guerins, the common people's food. And we kind of buy into that as well. So once you start charging loads for pizzas, it doesn't quite work. So for us to serve top quality Welsh ingredients, we need enough people eating it. That's, that's the truth. We need lots of customers. I think our price point is an important thing that people can come out, they can have lunch and it doesn't break the bank, but they can come out and have lunch a few times a week as well. So that's, that's the important thing. And I think that's why we've become so popular in the market is we do offer exceptional value. We do have another venture now called West Pizza where we do that New York style. So it's not just Italy that's synonymous with pizzas and their styles. New York has to be up there, you know, with the most recognisable style of pizza as well. And again, nowhere in Cardiff really was doing that sort of slice and that slice culture where you can just go in, grab a slice, lean on a bar, have a quick drink. So we kind of, you know, again, it's just expanding that love of pizza. We love all styles of pizza. So we've just opened up a New York style place where we do... 18-inch pizzas, you can either buy the whole huge pizza or you can just um, buy it by the slice and grab a beer. So at the moment, it's a little pop-up in uh, Kongs in Cardiff, but then we are expanding that and opening our own little place in Canton in the new year as well. I, I lived in Italy, well, I went to Florence when I was 16, and that's what I love, the fact you just have a piece of pizza on, on, as a kind of street snack, really, mm. and it was always, as we say in Wales, lush, as are your pizzas. OK, so do you enjoy your job, Jez? And if you do, hopefully, what, is, what do you enjoy about it? It's a great question. Do I, do I enjoy my job? It's, um, with, do you know, being a business owner... Um, maybe we don't enjoy as much no because it, it becomes more of a managing position but making pizzas being on the counter stretching pizzas topping them pulling them onto the paddle and putting them in the oven to cook is really enjoyable and what about you Ian? yeah it's the same it's just uh, the best part of the job is when you're there talking to customers dealing with customers and making the pizzas themselves, is, you know, it's even enjoyable just being in the background doing dishes because you get that buzz, the buzz of the service. So that's definitely the bit we enjoy most about the job. OK, last question. Have you seen Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy series yet? Yeah. OK, so he's got, he goes to all the regions. One yeah. of them was, it, was London. He said London was Italy's 21st region. Do you think we could be the 22nd? If you look at any of the ice cream makers who are really doing stuff in Wales... They're all kind of Italian descent. So I think the, the Welsh Farleys in particular 
owes a lot to Italian culture and Italian cuisine. And, do you know what I mean? Just that cafe culture all came from, from Italy. So, um, no, 100%. I think Wales has more of a claim to be in uh, Italy outside of... You know, New York might be the only mm. place, or Chicago maybe, you know, where a lot of uh, Italians did go. But apart from that, I'd say, yeah, within, within Europe, I'd say Wales, the Welsh Valleys is right up there. They say Wales is Italy with an umbrella because we like the same things. Pizza, ice cream, chatting, singing. So do you think we can be the 22nd region of Italy? Oh, 100%. And I think I remember when we went to Bardi within 20 minutes, we were speaking Welsh to someone from Kamar then out there. So it's just that link, I think, is a, there's a forever link now. There's a, such a strong bond. And it, it is like wherever you go, there's so many Italians pass through the market there's little Italian restaurants, even in Cardiff, not just in the valleys as well. So I just think it's... And I think it is the similarity between the people. We're so protective of our own produce and things like that, that I think that bond is there forever, and it does stake a claim to be in that bit of Italy, the best bit of Italy outside of Italy. Dear I've taken up far too much of your time, but I do appreciate it. Dear Coming up next, we're going to be talking about Welsh cheese. I asked Welsh food guru and best friend of our podcast, Neris, to tell me a little bit about the industry. It started, I think, back in the 80s when we had the milk quotas and, um, you know, they had all this surplus milk and what to do with it. And uh, I think one of the people that were instrumental at that time was Thelma Ed Adams from Cows Kenarth um, in West Wales. And... Um, there's a scene actually of, of of Thelma in a bath of milk being towed by a tractor in Carmarthen. In the bath. In the bath, <laughs> like Cleopatra. She was wearing a wig. Um, it's iconic, really, to protest, of course, say, yeah. about the milk quotas. So, anyway, they started making kefili cheese. And we were, as a nation, used to making kefili cheese. It's a young cheese. It only takes six weeks to mature. So farmers across Wales, you know, especially in the, in the, in the West, where you have loads of dairy farmers, were used to making um, kefili cheese. Anyway, so it's developed from there, really, into all sorts of cheeses. And now it's a thriving. We have over 100 types of different cheeses, you know, from cow's milk to cheese um, to uh, goat's milk and sheep's milk, um, from hard cheeses to flavoured cheeses to soft cheeses. Um, and I remember you and I going to France and we were promoting, this is going back years ago now, we were promoting uh, the cheeses and they were shocked that we had cheeses with flavours in. Do you remember there was a, a garlic and herb one or there was a mustard one and they were absolutely, I think they were slightly horrified that you play about with our cheeses. Well, I think the purists say you yes. shouldn't flavour cheese but then I think Steve from Wally's was telling me you used to flavour cheese that wasn't very good but actually um, our cheeses are very good yes. and we add the flavours and the French are getting a bit more adventurous but yeah, French, Italian, Spanish whenever they come on the tours they mm. always, you know, they're absolutely gobsmacked at the standard of the cheese. I think my favourite story is that um, uh, Carlo Petrini from Slow Food yeah. upset half of Italy by saying that Stilton was better than Gorgonzola. I think he should try Pedalas. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Welsh food because I think, you know, do you have a favourite? Just tell me a little bit about the tastes. Oh, the yeah. tastes. Well, yes. So you have, if you start with the mildest, because that's what they, they say when you're doing a yes. cheese tasting, mm. you start with the mildest. So we probably would start with the kefili, uh, which is sort of lemony, sort of crumbly in texture, um, light, really. 
And then you go on maybe to your softest ones like um, Angidi, that's a new one actually from Brooks Farm in um, uh, Monmouthshire. Mm. That's a lovely breeze style like Perlwen is. Um, and so Perlwen is white pearl. Uh, yes, yeah. white pearl. Yeah, yeah. So those are sort of breeze styles. They've got that lovely crest. And if you if you get them the right maturity and they ooze out. Mm. but I th- and, then, and then you go to the strongest one. And one of my favourites actually is Golden Kenneth which comes in a little, it's a round, in a little sort of box, a wooden box. And um, we always have that for Christmas because what we do is you cook it in the oven 200 degrees for 20 minutes and it just melts and oozes out <laughs> and you just dip bread in or, ve- or vegetable sticks or whatever you want. Like It's, a, it's like a, a, a quick fondue, cheese fondue. Say, and that's what Welsh rabbit used to be, as in cow's paw. Yeah. You know, they used to put the cheese in the oven and then dip bread into dip it. Bread so you're in. doing a, oh, yeah, a, a, a posh Welsh rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you, I love the mature cheddar. I love the blues, all the blues. So you've got a gorai glass from... Um, uh, Anglesey, of course, and then the Perlas, and there's a new Shropshire blue, actually, isn't it? Um, oh, from uh, Montgomery, Montgomery mm. blue. I don't I think I've tasted that. And then all the uh, mature cheddars. I think Hav- Havod is probably one of my my favourite one. That's made from unpasteurised milk, um, and you can taste the difference. I think because Tavy, um, they use a lot of unpasteurised milk, and their Saval is to die for. I know it's very smelly. And people are horrified. <laughs> Is there a nicer word than smell? Pungent? <laughs> Pungent, Strong. maybe, yes. <laughs> Speaking of Tavy cheese, you may remember John Savage, the owner of Cow's Tavy, who joined me in episode two. Well, today he's back to talk about organic spirits. I asked him what made him go from raw milk cheese to organic whiskey. I actually read an article, I read an article in the whiskey magazine, right, about uh, micro distilleries in Austria. Okay. And it said something like, the article was like, there are like 15,000 micro distilleries in Austria. Nearly every farm in Austria has got a micro distillery for the, the fruit they produce. And they make snaps. Yes. Right, yes. and the article ended with something like... Uh, Perhaps uh, we should start something like that in the UK. And it jumped out at me. I said, that's me. That guy's talking to me, OK? So <laughs> what I did is I, uh, I found HMRC, because obviously you need a distiller's licence. You can't just go, you know, distilling any old product and right, making moonshine. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I approached HMRC and they sent me a leaflet. That leaflet said that the minimum size of still would be 15 hectolitres, which is 1,500 litres. Okay. Right, and I was thinking of 300 litres, <laughs> right, which is a bigger. lot less than 1,500 <laughs> litres. So I phoned the guy up and I said, look, is there any point of me putting in my application? Because your own regulations say the minimum size of still is 1,500 litres, says put your application in anyway because those regulations were written right when we were still roaming the Scottish hills with muskets looking for the illegal stills. <laughs> so I put in my application and lo and behold, I think two months later, we actually got a distiller's license. It's the first distiller's license for a micro distillery in the UK. Mm-hmm. 
Bourbon's original idea was to create the first organic whisky in the modern era to celebrate the new millennium, back in 2000. Uh, so you are obviously a whisky lover. So why did you want to make an organic whisky? What is the difference? Well, you know, having been involved in the organic movement since the 1970s... You had to. Right? And uh, it all started with the basics. It starts with, uh, with bread, with milk, with cheese, right? And then eventually you saw it become more, let's say, uh, chop. I mean, products more like, okay, wine, organic wines, organic beers, organic chocolate. And I thought, and I knew at the time, I said, I knew that there was no organic whiskey. So then I thought, okay, in the late 80s, wouldn't it be a good idea to produce the first an organic whiskey for the new millennium? So what was the reaction to the organic whiskey? How did it sell? Well, most of it was pre-sold. Okay. As a future. Because mm. uh, obviously we had, it, was, it was distilled in 1992. It was bottled in 1999. So we had seven years to promote it. And, <laughs> That's uh, quite a lot of time. <laughs> and most of it was sold as a future. You know, people signed up for it. So, you know, they, uh, they paid about 50% up front, right, between 1992 and 1999. And then obviously when it was bottled, they paid the duty and, uh, and uh, the other 50%. But most of it was sold uh, uh, as a future. People wanted it. People wanted it. So you kept going and then you've added more spirits. So where are you today? So today, when we started the, uh, the, the, the distillery here in Wales, so we've got the micro distillery, we've got the licence. Yeah. Um, now, whiskey's long-term, isn't it? Whiskey's long-term. So, you know, we, we invested quite a lot of money at Glen Hinnard, right, in the still, um, the warehouse. Um, now, you need some revenue. Now, we spent so much <laughs> yes. money. So we had to think of products that, I mean, whiskey's long-term. Right? You cannot call a spirit whiskey unless it's been in a cask for three years and one day. That's the regulations. Three years and one day before you can call it whiskey. Now, most whiskey is even matured longer than that, right? So you're talking long term, right? Well, we couldn't wait without any income for three years. So the first product we ever made is called, and it's close to my heart because it's the first one we ever made, it's called Orange 33 was an orange liqueur. Oh, the delicious orange liqueur, yes, one of my favourites. It was an orange liqueur, and the first batch we made, right, we put it into the True Taste Awards, and it had an award straight away. Because living on, in a rural area, a farm, rural Wales, right, basically the ethos of both Kaustaivi cheese and Davili is, one cannot survive down the bumpy lane in Ceredigion by producing mediocrity. Okay. It has to be top quality. Gareth Johns recently uh, was cooking and he said that your orange liqueur is way better than... Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something about You know, sometimes people come on the farm and when I say, because it's close to my heart, I say, look, it's our intention to produce the best orange liqueur in the world. The sceptics go, how the hell can you do that? You don't even grow orange... <laughs> You well, don't even, I was thinking, we don't have oranges. You don't we? even <laughs> grow oranges in Wales. You know, and I usually ask them a question. Say, where do they make the best chocolate in the world? Then they go, Switzerland? Belgium? <laughs> yes. Say, well, they don't grow cocoa beans there, do they? 
Don't know cocoa beans. It's all about sourcing the best ingredients and then giving it your best shot. And that orange 33, orange liqueur, absolutely fantastic. Because we, hold, we use the whole orange and the peel. It's the real deal, it's the real deal. So we do a whole range of gins. We do three gins, botanical gin, seaweed gin, and an oak aged gin. So the gin goes back in a barrel, we mature it, takes on the color and also the flavor of the barrel. That's, uh, that's a good seller as well. And then uh, recently, about probably 18 months ago, rum. I was going to ask you about rum because is rum the new gin? Gin's been very trendy. Is rum the new gin? Are you following trends again or do you just like rum? Well, not following the trends. Oh, creating the trends. Creating the trends. <laughs> Trendsetter, <laughs> godfather, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, because, yeah, when we started making gin, I mean, gin was then in the, on, on the up, you know, the gin bar started opening. and uh, So, yeah, we were, you know, we were there at the beginning as well with the gins. Uh, but gin is now plateaued. There's just so many, you know, there were, I don't know how many, hundreds. You know, thousands. maybe even thousands of yeah, yeah. nowadays. Um, so, uh, but rum, rum is the new gin. Rum is the new gin. That's the uh, and um, and you make it here in Wales in your distillery. Absolutely, it's mm. not imported from the Caribbean. We make it ourselves, right? It's organic molasses. We ferment it. We distill it, and it's a collaboration. It's called Dark Sky Davile Dark Skies Rum. And it's a collaboration with the Cambrian Dark Skies Initiative. And it tastes absolutely delicious. How many micro distilleries are there in Wales now compared oh to the God. ones in Austria? God, you know, it's just... I mean, there's so many. There's about five. There's about five whiskey makers in, in mm. Wales now. Yeah. I was just wondering so compared to... So Penderen were the first, yeah. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Mm. Penderen, and then we came on board. The moment we bottled our first uh, whiskey, Wales became a whiskey producing nation. Because one, <laughs> an, industry, an industry, because yeah. one distillery is not an industry. Two. Two distilleries, <laughs> industry. Fantastic. So now we've got five distilleries producing whiskey in, uh, in Wales. Oh. So, and uh, there'll probably be more, uh, more gin distilleries as well. Thank you so much, John. So. And that's it for now. Many thanks for listening. Diochen Vaur. A big thank you to Jez, Ye, Neris and John. And as usual, there are links to all of our contributors in the notes. We've enjoyed your lovely feedback. And if you'd like to be featured in our next series or even sponsor one of our podcasts, we'd love to hear from you. Tana Tronessa. Until the next time, Diochen Vaur. This has been a Waffle original audio production for Loving Welsh Food. Audio production by Alfie Arnold for Waffle. Original musical score by Kind Permission, Peter Cronin. Copyright 2023, Loving Welsh Food and Waffle Audio.